0: Hey, good morning. And once again, great to gather with you guys and a little bit different. You're not here, but as I look around the sanctuary, I can kind of see your faces, especially those regulars where you sit. So, uh, hey, We're gathering together in a different format, and you know what, I praise the Lord that we have the technology to do this. And as we think about that, I wanna thank our media team, uh, the AV team, uh, all these years putting this together so when this hit us, we were ready to go. We were ready to go with live feed, we were ready to stream. And so, hey, we're blessed as a church. There's a lot of churches I know personally that are scrambling trying to get something together and I thank God for our media team that has worked hard over the years to get us to this place. Hey today we have a special special teaching for you that we're praying will minister to your hearts. We're going to look at a difficult time for Israel and you know what we're going through a difficult time but here's what I know God is with us through this, just like he was with them. So our prayer is that this will minister to you, encourage your heart during this time, and strengthen you. And hey, speaking of that, I've been hanging out in Philippians during this time. And uh, last Thursday, I read to you out of Philippians chapter 4. Today, I want to share with you out of Philippians chapter 1. Paul wrote and said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from, this, uh, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, I thank my God for every one of you. And you know what? I know and you know God is going to get us through this. He is going to complete his work. So hey, as a fellowship, let's stay strong. Let's stay focused on the Lord and uh, let's walk with him. Hey, before we begin the teaching, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and Lord, we do want to lift up uh, the 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 nation, the world, as we're walking through this hard time. God, I pray that you'd give doctors and medical people, first responders, and especially those who are trying to develop some kind of vaccine, give them wisdom, protect people, keep them safe, heal those who are sick, strengthen those who are weak, and Lord, as we get into this teaching. God, draw our hearts close to you as we can see that God is reaching out to the nation of Israel uh, during their time and raising up a man. Lord, we know that during our time that you're with us. So bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, I was given Exodus 1 and 2, and I thought that was a lot to chew on to try and do it all. So I'm going to do an overview since we're going to look at God's vision, and since Uh, Pastor Robert did the end of Moses' life. I'm going to go, and now we're doing the movie thing, right? We see the end. Now we're backing up, you know, 120 years, and we're going to look at the beginning of his life and the vision that God had or has for Israel, for us, for his work. So chapter 1, we see where, and it's interesting, chapter 1 in the New King James starts with now, and it really could start with and right? Uh, Chapter 1, verse 1, because it's just a continuation of what the end of Exodus, or I'm sorry, the end of Genesis was, and we're continuing on. So as we look at it, we get the rundown of, of the tribes that are there, the tribal leaders. We look at that. We get that information, and then we're giving this kind of insight or, to me, heavy information. The children of Israel became enslaved to the Egyptians, Joseph's gone. The Pharaoh during Joseph's time is gone. All that good stuff is gone. Now, listen, now they're enslaved. And then here's the crazy thing. As they became enslaved, they prospered. And they became greater and greater. And they're growing. And and some people say they were doubling every. Uh, 10 years are doubling in population so they're like growing gangbusters and the leaders in Egypt are getting a little bit freaked out that these foreigners are are growing they enslave them and then they make their enslavement harder and the harder they push on them the quicker they they start multiplying and it's nuts and then Pharaoh comes up with this great idea I know what we'll do we'll just kill them off now I got to believe that's satanically inspired you see, God made a promise that he would bring forth a seed. And that seed, we know, is the Messiah. And the only way to stop the seed is stop Israel. And so, Pharaoh comes up with this idea that, again, satanically inspired, and he's going to kill all the male children. And a lot of us know the story, then the... the, the, the uh, uh, midwives come, and, and Pharaoh says, you drown those kids, or you kill those male children, not drown You kill the, kill the males as soon as they're born. And they couldn't do it. And they came up with this story that, hey, those ladies are strong. And they just give birth before we get there. And I think there was some truth to that. I was, I was listening to Pastor Chuck the other day. And, it, you know, it's funny that Robert brought up Pastor Chuck and tapes. Again, for those of you, those little square white things. And it's interesting that he brought up Hosanna Tape Lending Library because that's the exact way that I went through the Bible with Pastor Chuck. Although I was in Bisbee, I would mail tapes in. You could, you could do this thing. You could get four tapes for a dollar. So I would get my four tapes. I would listen to them, put the dollar in, mail them back, and get four more. And I went through the Bible. I didn't ditch school because I was too old to be in school. But <laughs> I went through the Bible at my potter's will with Pastor Chuck. But uh, listening to that, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Chuck was, was talking about these women and what went on and what the midwife said. And then I love this. He goes, were they lying or not? And I love, what, I love Chuck's answer. I don't know. <laughs> I just love that. So we're going to leave it with I don't know. And sometimes we get hung up on that stuff. That's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is, They could not stop what God was doing. And then Pharaoh comes up with even a greater idea, and he says, I know, let's drown all the male children. And he's telling even the parents to drown the children. So if they're a boy, you just have them blow bubbles. Bubbles. And get rid of them. So that's where we're going to kind of come into it now. We're going to get into chapter 2 and uh, find out what happened. And we have to remember the Messiah is at stake here. But so is this guy named Moses. He's at stake, and beginning in verse one, here's what, read verse one, and I love the way this just starts out. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived, bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. Now, here's what I love: we're not giving names here, a man and a wife. They get together, they bear children. And why aren't we given names? I know their names, and you're gonna have to read ahead to get their names because I'm not gonna tell you their names. So for homework, read Exodus. (laughs) But you're gonna get their names. And the interesting thing, we're not given their names. We're not given the name of Pharaoh. We're gonna find out in a little bit. We're not given the name of Pharaoh's daughter. The only name we're given is Moses and God. What does that tell us? That tells us that we need to focus on Moses and God. These others are just, you know, in there. We don't need to focus so much on that. But here's one thing I love. These two came together, and I do know from reading the rest of Exodus, they already had two kids. They already had Aaron, Moses' brother, who's older, and then they had uh, Miriam, his sister. Now, let's think about this for a moment. If you already have two kids, and I believe, the, I believe the decree to drown the children came after Aaron was born. If you already have two kids, why would you have another one? Why would you do that? I mean, hey, in America, we, do, we quit having kids for a lot less reason than we may have to drown them. Think about, think about if you were told, hey, if you have a male child, you have to drown him. Do you think you would stop having kids if you already had to? But here's what I love. We're looking at this element of faith. And we're looking at God's vision. Now, God has a vision for the nation of Israel. And God wants to build a man to lead Israel. And here's what I love. God doesn't start with an adult man. When God builds this man, this servant, to lead these people, he starts with an infant. And so they have this child, and it says she hid him for three months. Now, let's process that just for a moment. Have you ever been around a newborn? I mean, you know, somebody go, but they're little, and they cry little. Well, that's true, but they cry a lot little. How do you hide them? How do, you, how do you do that? And then, you know, some people say, well, why didn't they leave town? They couldn't leave town. They were slaves. Remember, they're not, they're not just living there. They're enslaved. It's not like they could just get up and go, we're gone. We're out of here. So they have this child. They hide him for three months, which I think is a God thing that he's hidden for three months. And I love the idea that that mom, now mom says in verse 3, it says, but when she could not hide him any longer or could not any longer hide him. She took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Now, we kind of read that casually, don't we? We think, no big deal. Moms? How many of you are going to build a little basket out of weeds, put a little tar on it, and stick your little guy here, honey? go floating. At three months old? Come on. This lady had faith. And here's the thing. I believe I believe she was, had a vision from God, and the vision we're talking about, and she trusted that God would fulfill his vision. Maybe she even read somewhere Genesis chapter 3. And she trusted God. You see, the whole idea of ministry and God's vision and that affecting our lives is we have to come to the place as servants of the Lord that we're going to trust His vision. And we're going to trust that He is going to do something. And we're going to trust that God is going to work in His people in spite of us. And that God is going to have His way. And I love this lady, man. Hey, If you had the faith to have a child, and if the decree was to drown your child, how many of you would even get near a river, right? Most would move to Arizona. (laughs) No rivers, can't drown them. But hey, that's the thing, and you see this mom, she's there, she puts them, and and then here's the kicker for me. Do you know what they grow in the Nile River in the banks where the reeds are? Yeah, somebody said it. Crocodiles. It's not just, listen, it's not just weeds. Now you've got crocodiles. You're going you're gonna to stick your three-month-old in a basket, in the weeds, and say, good luck, honey. I hope they're not hungry. I mean, that's intense, right? That's Faith. And hey, you and I in our ministry, sometimes, sometimes we have to take that step where we don't understand, we can't put it together, it does not make sense, but God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to trust your word, and I'm going to trust what you've shown me, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to do this thing. Sometimes it's when we're planting, and sometimes it's after the plant, and sometimes it's 25 years down the road in the plant. And he says, let's do this. And when we think of vision, here's what I think. I think it's taking chances from our perspective. From God's perspective, it's fulfilling God's vision. What was God's vision? I need to raise up a man, and I need to put a man in this position, and I'm going to raise him up. So... Stick your kid in an ark. By the way, this is the only time that the word for the, the Hebrew word for ark is used besides Noah's ark. So two, you know, two people or uh, you know a whole generation is saved, and then this one. So she puts him in an ark and she floats him out there, and he's out there. And then it says, you know, she laid him by the reeds on the river's bank, and his sister Miriam stood afar off to know what would be done uh, to him. Now. As I look at this, I think she had even maybe a little bit more faith than mom, because here's what she's willing to do. She's going to watch and see what's going to happen to her baby brother. And here's what I believe. I believe Miriam, with all of her seven-year-old heart, believed that God was going to do something. I believe she thought in her little heart, man, and I think about a seven-year-old, and I believe in that young heart, she's thinking, my God is gonna do something great here. Pastors and leaders, when was the last time you went to your fellowship on maybe a midweek service or a Sunday morning or a Saturday night? When was the last time you went And in your heart, you said, God is going to do something great here today. Not because of you, but because of him. You see, I think a lot of us miss opportunities because... We kind of get in the groove, especially if you've been in ministry for a while. You kind of get in the groove, and here's what we do. You know, for our fellowship, here's what we do. We do church on Thursday night, and then we do it again on Saturday night, and then we do it again on Sunday morning. And sometimes we can get in the groove, and we're just going, well, I just go on Thursday night. What do I do on Thursday night? I open the Bible and start teaching. Then I show up on Saturday night, and what do I do? I open up the Bible and start teaching. When was the last time you went with that attitude of, God is going to do something here today? God is gonna do something amazing today. You're gonna have that little seven-year-old Miriam's heart and you're gonna look at things and you're gonna say, he is gonna do something incredible as we gather together. When was the last time you went to your fellowship expecting somebody to get saved? I think it's horrible as pastors if we go and we're not expecting someone to, to get saved, someone to accept the Lord. I think we should, every service we do, we should have that expectation in our heart that God is going to save somebody and have Miriam here. Here's what she's thinking. My little brother's not going to drown. He's not going to be eaten by crocodiles. Nothing's going to happen to him because my God, my God is going to see to that. You got to love that little heart, right? Oh, it gets, it gets, I think it gets better. I, I love, listen, I love this part because all of this is all about trusting God in spite of everything. Think of what the world would tell you. You're gonna stick your kid in a, in a weed basket covered with tar and you're gonna put him in the river? You are nuts. No, I'm trusting God. So, and then, and then you're gonna have your little seven-year-old watch over him. How many of you have seven-year-olds? You trust them to watch over something you're trying to do? Here, honey, take over the house. That's crazy, right? So here she is. She's out there. And then it tells us, listen, verse 5. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her mate... Her maidens walked uh, walking alongside the river. And when they saw the ark uh, among the reeds, she sent, and maid, uh, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw a child. And behold, the baby wept. So she uh, had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, does that blow your mind? Listen, man, she was Pharaoh's daughter. Her dad gave the decree, if you have a male child, drown him. And she finds this child, why didn't she just go, right? I mean, you talk about God working. You talk about God working crazy. You talk about God turning everything on its head and flipping everything around. That's the God we serve The same God they serve, we serve that same God. And in our ministries, when it looks like everything is down and everything's going wrong and nothing's going right and the people are enslaved and the people are messed up and they can't get anything right, you know who's working? God. We just got to trust him. And we got to put that little seven-year-old out there as a watch. No, we don't really. (laughs) But we got to trust the Lord. And here he flips this thing. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys. Maybe you read this and you're not you're not absolutely blown away that that woman would look at that and go, "Oh, that's a little Hebrew child." Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. If she said Hallelujah. <laughs> and we just kind of read it nonchalant. Well, no big deal. She did it because I know the Bible and I know what happens and, and all of this happens. Well, hey, you know what? This was real life. And she, she looked at that child, and she was taken by him. Now, here it says it's a beautiful child. Hey, and for homework, you do have to read, uh, I'm, I'm going to refer to it a little bit, but a little bit more homework. So you've got Exodus Street, and then I want you to read Acts chapter 7, and then I want you to read Hebrews 11, just a little bit. You know, a little bit of stuff to do. We've got a long break before dinner, so you can get this stuff done. But I'll refer to some of it. But I want you to think about it because it says, listen, he was a beautiful child. And in Hebrews when it says he's a beautiful child it was like wow there was no no child as stunning as this child but in in, in Acts chapter I'm sorry in Hebrews chapter 11 listen to this by faith Moses when he was born was hidden 3 months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command they knew he was a beautiful child they knew he was something special and they're not afraid of what any king could say cuz they're serving the king of kings and the lord of lords and the one who created the entire universe. And they do it, and, and they're going along, and then she finds it, and she says, wow, look at this beautiful baby, and she doesn't drown him. And then I love all of us. So we're kind of familiar here, right? Then verse seven, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Now, that's kind of crazy talk, right? But here's what she's saying, man. She's going, do you need a wet nurse? There was nothing wrong with it in their culture and stuff. You want me to go find one of the slaves to take care of that child? Is this God or what? And then here's what I love you talk about government uh, entitlements. Check this out in verse 8. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. Wow, the government is going to pay to raise this child that they said should die. Is that good or what? <laughs> that's, a, that's our God. And again, we read these things, and we might read the story and go, well, look, Pat, it's just a story. Why don't you apply it to your ministry? Why don't you look at your life and look at what is happening? And, and, you know, my heart today is just to talk to those who are grinding it out in ministry and are kind of tired right now. And it could be a season, as Pastor Robert said, maybe it's a season for you to change and change what you're doing. But it could also be a season for you to trust God. Hey, there was nothing good, if you read the whole account up to here, there's nothing good going on for the children of Israel, nothing. They're enslaved, they're told to kill their children, they had some of their children killed, they're going through all of that, and then all all of a sudden, God has the Egyptian government paying to raise this child who is going to eventually free the people of Israel out from under him that's nuts but that's our God and you know what when you go back to your fellowship and you step into that place of ministry wherever it is I want you to remember that's the God you serve and you walk into that ministry and you know, hey, you know what my God, you might, even, hey, you might even tell people, you know what my God did? My God had Egypt raise Moses so he could deliver the people from Egypt. And just hang that in your heart. So listen, he lays that out, it's, it's great, and she says, oh, oh, I didn't finish that. i, I got to finish verse 9. See, I get excited. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So he, she called his name Moses because they drew him out. So might, Moses might need drawn out of the water or, or pulled out, but, but now listen, now we have this guy. He's about three, maybe, maybe four years old, and now we're going to skip almost 40 years and it blows my mind that we're not given a lot of information other than we know we know according to Hebrews that he was raised in the understanding and all of the education of Egypt so think about think about ancient Egypt you know, do do that google that this afternoon don't google it right now this afternoon check it out because ancient Egypt was pretty well educated in medicine and science and architecture and he was raised in all of that why because god was going to use that in his life you see i'm going to give you all of that moses oh and where was his first three years with mom and dad do you know what Jochbed and amram that was their names do you know what they did with that kid for three years they poured scripture into him. They poured vision into him. They poured God into him. And all of that was in that, that little guy's heart when he was delivered over. And now he's being educated and raised in that. So look at this guy. I mean, you know, I don't know about you guys, but man, he's in a pretty phenomenal position. Why? God had a vision. If you're the everyday Jew at that time, you're thinking there's no vision, this stinks, I'm having to make bricks, people don't like me, they're mean to me, making me drown my kids, and Amram and Jachbed are going, oh, God has a vision. God is gonna do something good. I wanna be on that side of the thing. I thought Pastor Robert put it great. Let's don't be grumpy, dried up people, always angry and bitter. Let's be the happy people. Let's be the people that we know God is going to do something, and God is doing something in our midst. And so, listen. Now He's raised up, and verse eleven says, "Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was growing." So again, we went through. We went through that we just like flew through his life right when he was growing and he looked at their burdens and he saw the Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his brethren so he looked this way and he looked that way and when he looked and he saw no one he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand wow everything he had everything he had going for him his heart was still so bonded with his people that he thought, we'll just take over right now. That's, that's the way I interpret this. Now, he messes up big time. Any of you mess up in ministry? Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, now you need to raise your hand. Because <laughs> you just messed up in ministry by lying. Any of you mess up in ministry? I mean, like, really mess up? I mean, like, really, 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 really? Any of you kill anybody in ministry? (laughs) Some of you have with your hearts. I think all of you have with your hearts. He kills a guy. I mean, you look at this guy. He kills somebody. He takes another person's life. And then worse than that, he's kind of like my people. And he puts him in a shallow grave. He sticks him in the sand. I'm thinking, dude, that is gross. This is not. A, he just like, like nobody's gonna know. <laughs> it's like, like what is the matter with you? Oh, by the way, he was very cautious. He looked this way, and he looked that way. But he forgot to look that way. Had he looked that way, he would have never killed that guy. And how many times do we look this way and that way, and then we make a mess? And the Lord says, seriously? And he comes and cleans it up. Isn't it good? Oh, we got to deal with it, and we got consequences, but, but still, so, so he does all of that. Now, I want to read, read a couple passages. Acts chapter 11 I'm, I'm sorry. Hebrew eleven twenty four through twenty five says this: by faith, when Moses became of age, he refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. So that's where he he came about, and then and then. Stephen in Acts has this insight. He says, "For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by His hand, but they did not understand." Here's the thing: Moses got out ahead of God. Any of you do that in ministry and you're out ahead of God, and, and you're like, way out there, I'm very impatient. Robert Furrow and I have had a contest on who's the most impatient, and I think I won once. I'm impatient and sometimes I get way out there and I'm going, Lord, what is going on? And he says, I haven't a clue. You're way ahead of me. (laughs) Like, come back, reel it in and come back. And this is Moses. St. Moses thought everybody knew. Here's, here's what, if you read Hebrews and, and Acts, here's what it tells us. He knew in his heart he was supposed to lead the people. A lot of us know in our heart, man, I've been called to this. I know I've been called to this, but the problem is we start doing it in the flesh and not in the spirit. And we start taking control and we think, because I've got the good education, because I've got this in my hand, because my parents poured scripture in me, I'm gonna do this and I'm just going forward. I'll look to the right and the left but i never look up and it's bad i mean this is bad news this is like really messing up your ministry it gets a little bit worse you got to remember god's building him right don't ever forget that god is putting this guy together exactly the way he wants him And you and I need to remember that in our lives. And it says, listen, in verse 13, And when he went out the second day, uh, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did wrong, Why are you striking your brother or your companion? Then he said, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Wow. Obviously, he didn't look that good. (laughs) This guy saw him. And here's what I know. Your sin's going to find you out. Well, it'll find you out with the Lord. Most of us know that. But your sin's going to find you out with others. And the worst thing in the world for me is when the world rebukes me. You know, you're just going, oh, man, the world saw that? So here's these guys, what, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And Moses is freaked. Now you go into freak mode, right? Any of you have been in ministry where you've done something and you've kind of put your hands on it and you've kind of messed it up, and then it comes to light, and now you are in freak mode. And you're freaked out. What are you going to do? I know I'll just disappear Right, That's what he comes up with. What, what a great plan this guy has. I will just disappear. So it says, listen, it says, it says uh, then he said, oh, I'm sorry, verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. So here he takes off, and he goes, and where does he go? He goes to Midian, which is, which is in the Sinai Peninsula, which has some relatives, distant relatives of the Jews, remember, uh, Abraham had a wife named Keturah who had children who became the Midianites. So they're kind of distant relatives, but he takes off and he goes where people would gather, at a well, that's where everybody's gonna hang out. Remember when Eleazar went looking for a wife? And where did he go? To the well, that's where people hung out. So today we might say he went to the mall, Okay. <laughs> But so he goes, he wants to be where people are. And he's hanging out at the well. And then something kind of cool happens. Verse 16, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and they drew water. Maybe that's why he went to the well, I don't know. But seven daughters. So And then they came and they drew water. And they filled the uh, the troughs to water their uh, father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to uh, Ruel, their father, he said, how is it that you have come home so early today? So the ladies show up, seven of them, they show up earlier than they normally did because they normally, the guys, the, the bad shepherd boys, would chase them away. They would water their flock. Then they would leave. Then they would have to draw more water and take care of those. But Moses came to the rescue. Yay. Right? Good thing. And dad goes, what are you doing here? And verse 19, And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. An Egyptian? Why did they think he was an Egyptian? Because he was wearing 250-count Egyptian sheets. I don't know. Egyptian cotton's the cotton to get, right? So they could tell just by his clothes. They had the good cotton on. And they're going... They're going, this Egyptian, he saved us. And they don't say the Jew an Egyptian, he delivered us from the hand of the shepherds and he also drew enough water for us and he watered the flocks. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? I love this dad's response. There's seven of you. I need to get you married off. Why did you not bring him back? Where's the guy? This guy's rescued you and you just left him there? You ran off and left him? That's a dad. Come on, girls, go get him. I need to get one of you with him. So where are they? They go, and he says, he says why, why is it that you have left the man? In verse 20, middle, call him, call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. And she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom, For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Moses' parents poured a biblical background into his heart as a young guy. Egypt poured tons of science, math, medicine into him as a young man. The desert, the desert's where he really learned, but let's think about Why did that happen? Why did he end up in that desert at that time? Well, there's gonna be a group of people we're gonna learn through some of this teaching this next couple days, that are gonna wander around that desert for 40 years. And as they're wandering around that desert, somebody needs to know where the best grazing land is. Where's the best wells? where can we get water and who better to learn that than a guy that's been roaming around that desert for 40 years he's going to hang out 40 years in that desert and here's the thing some of us think what a waste of my time no god is going to use that in your life and god is going to use that in your life to serve his people you just have to trust him And when that dryness comes, when that difficult time comes, don't get mad at the people God has called you to serve. Let that begin to teach your heart and prepare your heart for where God is going to take those people because he put you there for a reason. I got to believe partially Moses has got to be a little bit freaked out right now. I hate being in the desert, I was gonna deliver them, but what he didn't realize, you're never gonna deliver an entire nation by killing one Egyptian at a time. You kill one and stick him in the sand, wait till you see what God does. He drowns the entire army. So trust him and maybe you are in that place where it's just no fun and you might be there, as we've already said, to put you in a position where you're ready to change but you also might be there where God is growing you into that place where you need to be. Now, finally, all of that was introduction to get to what we need to look at for God's vision. I'm kidding. But listen, verse 23. Now, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. You see, sometimes the only time you and I cry out to God is when our hearts are broken, when we're in bondage. And they're crying out to God. The good news is so, verse 24, God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant that he had made with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. You see, all of this time that we're looking at, these almost 80 years from the beginning of chapter one to the end of chapter two, all of that time, God knew exactly what was going on in Israel. He knew their misery, he knew their sorrow, he knew their hurt, he knew every, every person that cried, he knew every baby that was drowned, he knew everything that happened, and he wasn't ignoring them. And you and I need to remember that. As we're doing ministry and it gets hard and it gets difficult, God sees it and God knows and we just need to trust God Lately I've been asked several times about questions that we can't answer. There's some questions, saints, that we can't answer even as pastors. I love it when when Pastor Chuck said, I don't know, he goes, I know some of you are shocked, but I don't know everything. But listen carefully. Here's people will come and they want answers because their hearts are broken. I just had a a text from somebody that used to be part of our ministry that moved away that, that texted me and said, I need this answer now. There was no answer, except this one. Don't ever get sidetracked and derailed by the things you don't know about God. But trust the things that you do know about God. And when we get in that place where it's difficult and it's hard and it seems impossible, you and I need to know that God will never leave us and forsake us. We got that last time, right, from the end of Roberts. And now we're getting it here. God acknowledged them. God knew everything that was going on. God made a covenant with this guy named Abraham and pass that on to his son Isaac and pass that on to Jacob and pass that on to the 12 tribes. Now, I want to wrap up with this. And I want us to think about this. That same God is in control right now. In spite of what we think, in spite of what it looks like. And you know what? That same God is working his plan. And he is going to come back someday. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem. Not in a heavenly Jerusalem, not in a make believe Jerusalem, not in a spiritual. He's going to set it up in the geographical, on earth, Jerusalem. And there's nobody that hates that more than Satan. And he's going to do everything he can to derail that. He's going to mess us up in ministry and he's going to get us derailed. He's going to mess up. Why do you think that every nation that surrounds Israel? Check out those nations. Read what they say. Every one of those nations in their statements, they say that Israel has no right to exist and they need to wipe them off of the the face of the planet. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty intense to say your neighbor? You've got to wipe off the face of the earth? That's crazy talk. But it's driven by Satan because if he can work in an area just like he tried here, and he can disrupt and ruin God's plan. That makes God a liar, and therefore God doesn't exist. So saints, it may be hard, it may be ugly, it may be atrocious. I can't think of anything more atrocious than killing your baby. But God is in control. And he knows the hurt, he knows the pain, he knows the hardship, he knows the difficulty. He knows everything you've gone through, especially as servants of the Lord. He knows what we're going through. And we're going through those things so that we can be better servants. I remember one time going and doing ministry at a church. And I got my favorite introduction of all. The pastor got up and he introduced me this way. He goes, you guys, here's another zero serving a hero. (laughs) Saints, that's all we are. We're just zero serving God. So let's exalt his name and let's lift him up and let's never forget that he promises never to leave us or forsake us. Hey! I don't know about you guys, I'm blessed by that teaching. By the fact that, you know what, during that time... When Israel felt all alone and deserted as a nation, God was there and God was working his plan. And you know what? I know he's doing the same exact thing right now. No matter how we feel, no matter what our our, our emotions might tell us, no matter what the world might tell us, that God is working his plan and we can trust him. Hey, I want to read that last verse again. It says, and God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. God is looking upon us. God knows exactly what we're going through, whether it's a high or whether it's a low. He knows exactly where he's at. So I'm gonna ask you, just keep trusting God. Believe that he's gonna do a work in in, and through this time. And God, I, I pray that God will encourage your hearts. Hey, if you're watching today, and you do not know Jesus Christ, you've never asked him to forgive your sins, right now is the time to do that. We want to invite you right where you're at to ask him to come into your life and to save you. And we're going to pray here in a moment, and I'm just going to ask you to call upon his name uh, to be saved. Hey, I want to do what we always do. I like to feel as natural as possible. So let's all stand up. Even in your homes, let's stand up and close in prayer. Father, today we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray right now, God, that you would meet each one of us where we're at. And Lord, I believe all of us, we we need, quote, our faith encouraged We need to have a big God and a great God. So I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in mighty, mighty ways. And God, that we would draw close to you and our hearts would be drawn to your heart. And I'm gonna ask everyone who believes to stay in an attitude of prayer, to be praying right now. And if you're watching right now and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I wanna encourage you to do that right where you're at. Just bow your heart to God confess to him that you're a sinner. In other words, that's telling him that you know you're a sinner. Ask him to forgive your sins. Tell him you're sorry for your sins and ask him to come into your heart and come into your life. And if you do that, God will hear you and you will be born again. And people right now are praying that will happen. Again, let's wrap this up in prayer, Father. Again, we wanna stay focused on you. We wanna walk with you through this. So I pray, God, that you would bless our day, bless our week, and until we come together again on Thursday, Lord, guide and direct us and keep us safe in Jesus' name, amen.